developed some specialties over the course of my career, Rico, but I've got to say one of them is work burnout. Really? So you know how to prevent burnout? Oh, no, no. I'm great at burning myself out. <laughs> I am a top-notch burner outer. <laughs> nice. What What is your secret, Liz? Tell us. Well, there are the obvious ingredients, Rico. Too much work, too much responsibility, too mm. much yes, not enough no, too many late nights, early mornings, and working weekends. Okay. But the real key... The real, the real key is complete neglect of your own body and mind. Aha. Uh-huh. See, here's, here's how you do that. Join a gym, but never go. Okay. Text your friends, but only to cancel plans. Got it. And it's super helpful if you add a huge amount of travel. So then you can tick off exhaustion, dehydration, and debilitation all in one go. You getting this? I'm taking notes. Yeah, good. Absolutely. In my last job running global marketing for National Geographic, I actually got pneumonia Twice in one 12-month period. Whoa, you are a champ mm-hmm. at this. <laughs> the second at this, yes. The second time I slept it off at first because I thought the coughing was caused by tear gas. <laughs> I had been caught in a riot in Istanbul. I'm sorry to laugh. Is this, so wait, is tear gas a big part of the burnout plan then? Mm, not required. Think of it as an accelerant. Optional, but highly effective. Whew. Genius, uh, but also the exact opposite of what we're going to be talking about today, ladies and gentlemen. From Wondery, this is Safe for Work, Job Stress, Life Relief. I am Rico Galliano. And I'm Liz Dolan. Today, avoiding burnout. We'll get some advice on that subject from our own Dr. Danziger. Later in the show, we'll have etiquette experts Lizzie Post and Daniel Post-Senning join us to explain what we're doing wrong when it comes to workplace etiquette. And as always, we'll answer your calls and questions and help you navigate your way through the working world with less stress. Less burnout. And maybe a little more fulfillment. That's all coming up here on Safer Work. Most days, you've got a lot of places to go and a lot to get done before you can even think about falling into bed at night. Wouldn't it be nice if you could stay connected to the world while you were out there getting it all done? What if the experience of driving a luxury vehicle wasn't limited to just inside your car, but extended out into the world around you? Introducing the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC. With a suite of social tech, including Waze integration so seamless, the map appears right on the screen. Amazon Alexa, with access to all the skills and services you get on your Echo, and a 4G LTE Wi-Fi hotspot that allows up to 10 devices to connect at once with Lincoln Connect. With your 2019 Lincoln MKC, you're transforming traffic jam streets into clear roads. Empowering your voice to instantly change your environment. Set temperature to 72 degrees. All to make life a little easier. And when you're finally done, Waze, take me home. Let's get started. You're getting a seamless experience right to the very end. Alexa, open my garage door. Okay. Available via iPhone with Sync 3 with software version 3.0. Commands may vary by phone and AppLink software. Don't drive while distracted. Use voice-operated systems when possible. Don't use handheld devices while driving. iPhone is a trademark of Apple Inc., registered in the U.S. and other countries. The 2019 Lincoln MKC. Learn more at lincoln.com slash wondery. That's lincoln.com slash w-o-n-d-e-r-y.
All right. Earlier we heard Liz talk about her nightmarish work burnout experience. I think it was a confession. <laughs> it sounded kind of like a confession. And <laughs> here to help her out and hopefully uh, any other listeners that had to deal with that nightmare is Dr. Stephen Danziger. He is a licensed therapist in Los Angeles. He is an author. And his third book, Mindfulness for Anger Management, comes out in November. Dr. Danziger, welcome back to the show. Hello, Rico. Good Hello. to see you. Good to see you. So what is your diagnosis Dr. Danziger, Liz seems to have really leaned in to burning herself out. She's gone all the way there. Good, right? You are the expert. <laughs> I'm just here to hang out because yes. you know how to do it. Yeah, we're just the audience. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have conducted this experiment on myself many times. Yes. But what is your perspective on how burnout takes different forms in different people? I know what form it takes in me. Well, you talked a little bit about how it can go one direction or another, right? It could be too much of work or too little of self-care. And then the manifestations can be anything from, you know, just pure sadness, you know, like Mm -hmm. I am not a happy camper. Uh, It could be tiredness, but it could also be being wired. You could uh, find yourself making mistakes at work. You can find yourself having uh, difficult relationships with colleagues. Yeah, just short tempers, things like that. Short tempers, and you can lose your job. You know, um, you can also lose interest, not just in what's going on at work, but it's, it will often bleed into your personal life. And I mean, literally, like clinical depression can come from burnout. But how do we, I guess, how do we know that the cause is burnout and not, say, clinical depression, some chemical imbalance or something? Yeah. So uh, looking directly at your work experience and getting a sense of, you know, uh, what your work history has been at that job and seeing if I used to enjoy this and now I don't enjoy this at all. But burnout is both a cause and an effect. Right, exactly. Depression or anxiety or any of these other things. So if you're experiencing symptoms, like the kinds of symptoms that you're talking about, Liz, it's <laughs> yeah. always good to seek a, a, an seek opinion. professional help. Yes, it really is. You yeah. know, and, and it doesn't always necessarily have to be about a therapist. It could be about a coach. Like that's maybe like in therapy, we talk about different levels of care. You know, there's the highest level of care. You're in the hospital, lowest level of care. You come in to see me once a week, right? Okay. And so you can go uh, one step further and seek the services of a coach, right? A life Mm -hmm. coach, an executive coach, or whatever coach would be appropriate for the work life that you have. And, you know, see, you know, assess whether you need to make changes in your work life and that'll do it. Let's start at the lowest level then. Let's say we're seeing you once a week. Save us all a a bunch of money. Did you just (laughs) call him the lowest level? (laughs) He called himself the lowest level. (laughs) Dr. Lowest level. That's what they call me. What would you say to somebody who's experiencing what Liz is experiencing? How does she work it out? You know, let's talk about some solutions. Right. So uh, we would look at it together holistically. And when I say holistically, it's we get the whole picture. I wouldn't say, oh, tell me about what's going on at work and leave it there. I would look at the whole picture to see, like you were asking before, Rico, you know, is this work burnout? Is this something else going on? And then giving people tools, everything from, for instance, mindfulness meditation is, uh, you know, a very important one. In my world, I've been meditating for 30 years. I've been teaching it for 25. Um, looking at the exercise, looking at the things that I'm doing, like you said, yeah, Liz, for me, exercise my body is, so critical. is being yeah. uh, ignored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to look at nutrition. That's the pints of ice cream, right? When you say nutrition, that's yes. a lot of late night <laughs> yeah, secret eating. Tons it's of protein in sure, there. Yeah, Ben and Jerry. You don't leave out <laughs> yeah. either of Vitamins the guys. B and yeah, J. That's right. Yeah. Vitamins yeah. B and J. <laughs> Good amount of dairy. You know. No, it's so key that you talk about 
the more holistic view because mm. the piece of the the puzzle that I, I didn't share at the opening of the show is also when I was in this very demanding job, both of my parents were very sick at yes. that time and they ended up dying within weeks of each other. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of the whole, like every part of my life was a little bit, well, more than a little bit chaotic, but just super demanding. And I found really what started to get to me at work is that I could not control my anxiety the way I normally could. That was sort of how it really manifested. I would feel things kind of overwhelming me. And I've never felt overwhelmed at work before, Mm -hmm. you know, to my detriment sometimes. (laughs) Maybe I should have admitted I was being overwhelmed. But I just, it was really this anxiety would sort of rise up in me on issues that did not otherwise or did not previously get that kind of reaction from me. Right. And one of the biggest contributors to burnout is there's a societal message, too, that, you know, work harder, work harder, you know, succeed, succeed, succeed. And, yeah. and so you throw in a life emergency like that yeah. to give you a good excuse, I'm using air quotes, to uh, go ahead and throw yourself even further into that in order to you know, to just survive. Yeah. Right. It's like it's almost it, it is part of the grieving process and it is part of getting through difficulties to when things are, uh, you know, sort of falling apart in one area to go ahead and be of service or get yourself busy in your other area and throw yourself into mm-hmm. what you're doing. But there's also that space that needs to happen where you need to fill the well. You mm-hmm. need to be able to step back and be able to take take exactly. in the new. Yeah. And to be fair, no one was demanding that of me. Mm-hmm. It's that's why I think the enemy is me in a lot of these cases. Enemy. Is that too strong a word, Dr. Danziger? <laughs> the problem? The challenge? Yeah, sure. Yeah. That seems that, nicer. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a word that we use, though, in the therapeutic world and really? in the Buddhist psychology world is, you know, our our enemies. And often our enemies are, are inside in mind. Yeah. yeah, you're pointing to your own head. Yeah. yeah. The, so uh, my own boundaries and things needed to be set. Have yeah. you ever gone through this, Rico? I haven't. And, and this is actually a question that I have. Like, at what point do you realize that it it is... I mean, in a lot of these cases, I think it's what Liz is saying. There are boundaries in your own that you need to adjust the stuff that's under your control. But how do you know where there really is someone else to blame? I, I mean, I've had a situation where I was in a job where we were understaffed for years and everybody knew that it was understaffed. Everybody acknowledged that everybody was doing too much work and nothing was done about it for mm-hmm. years. Right. That's tough. And that, and that is tough, and it happens in a lot of different company cultures and a lot of different industries. And so it's not a, so much a matter of determining whether it's someone else's fault. It's if I do determine that I'm in a situation that is institutionally unhealthy like that. What do you do? Well, and, you know, Liz mentioned boundaries, right? So we know what our boundaries are, and what it was is when you were younger at that time, your boundaries kept going, kept going, and then the problem resolved. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, what we need to do is when we the boundary starts to press up against that which we are setting the boundary with, (laughs) then we need to take the actions, whatever they might be. It might be starting to look at uh, educational opportunities to improve my uh, opportunities out in the work world. It might be looking at, is there anything else that I'm already kind of trained up in that I can start to leverage to look for other work? Or is there, you know, I, I could start looking for other work. Right? Yeah. And so you, you, I deal with this when I'm dealing with marriages too. You know, it's sort of like what's what's the bottom line? What's the last straw? What's 
you know, what's the point of no return? And so when, when and if you get to that point of no return and at the same time you have a mortgage or your rent and everything mm -hmm. else, then you do whatever you need to do, the extra self-care in order to put up, you know, to go through at least a period of time of survival mode before you can get to the thriving mode, right? Like sometimes mm -hmm. we just need to, and you kind of mentioned it, Rico, it's sort of battening down the hatches and just doing what I need to do to take care of myself at the very bottom line, I need to make a living. And then seeing what I can do to improve it. Because burnout is caused by that kind of situation. And burnout can be self-induced, like Liz was talking about. And there's so many different manifestations between my own lack of boundaries and then uh, other people's lack of boundaries and impinging on me mm. that can result in me all of a sudden, without noticing it, I'm like, oh, I don't like my job. Mm -hmm. And oh, I don't like my colleagues, and oh, I don't, I don't, don't want to like get up dog. today. I don't like, exactly. Well, that's where it gets really drastic, <laughs> yeah. right? I don't like my pet. <laughs> you know, like the four-legged thing that's just like not just doing does nothing to but me. love you. Just looking right. at me like, <laughs> right? So yeah. That's yeah. A, maybe so. Let's start there. If you if you start all of a sudden disliking your pet, let's deal with it. Yes. you gotta right. go see Doctor Steve. Well, it's sort of a it's, it's you need the joy in your life, and, mm -hmm. right? And if your job isn't giving you that, that's why you have friends and dogs, and that's why you <laughs> like go for a run or make a delicious meal or whatever. And when you start giving up all those things because you're so stressed at work, really, you've just given up all of your sources of fun and joy and positivity. So no one. Your dragon. And that's where you get the energy to survive and where you get the energy also to thrive. One question, I guess, before we let sure. you go, if there's one thing, I mean, it sounds like maybe you've already said it, maybe it's exercise, but if there's one thing that you could say to people, like the first step, if they're starting to feel burnt out, that is like the easiest thing that they could do that would instantly change at least a little bit of their lives, what would it be? Absolutely. I would say that you would look at what your symptoms of burnout are. So if you're tired, do something that's going to energize you. If you're anxious, do something that's going to calm you down. And be looking towards those things that you're going to do, perhaps you're going to cultivate not at work. Like, you know, mm. you can do five minutes of meditation. You can take a walk around the block. You know, you get up from your desk and go take a walk and move and take some mindful breaths or just get the exercise. So the simple things that you don't need a lot of props or a lot of time. And then you build from there. Build from there. Thanks a lot. We'll never burn out on having you here, Dr. Denzel. <laughs> and I'll never burn out on coming here. I've worn glasses my entire life since mm -hmm. I was about five years old. The one time I tried contact lenses, I looked in the mirror and basically couldn't recognize myself. I hated it. So you may not be surprised to know that when it comes to buying a new pair of glasses, I don't want to just trust basically my sense of self and my face to just mm -hmm. anyone, which mm -hmm. is why I'm glad we're talking about Warby Parker. So right glasses now. are your brand. It's the yes, yeah, that's it's me. a brand statement for you. Got I it. And Warby Parker does a pretty dang good job, I would say, outfitting my face. I love my sunglasses. I got through the free home try-on program. So they send you five different kinds of glasses. You get to try them on, you know, all times of day and night, different angles. And the glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Pretty good. Which is really good for anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. And for every pair you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need. Amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have an iPhone X, you can download Warby Parker's app, where you can use their brand new feature, Find Your Fit, which uses 
the iPhone X's True Depth camera to map and measure your facial features, which wow. is crazy. And they use that to recommend approximately 12 Warby Parker frames that are likely the best fit for your face. It is seamless. It takes a couple of seconds. Amazing. To order five pairs of glasses and try them on for five days, there's no obligation. You go to warbyparker.com safe. They ship free and they include a prepaid return shipping label. That is warbyparker.com safe. Be sure to check out the iTunes app once you've gotten your try-ons. Rico, you know what's not smart? Knowing you are burning yourself out on the job and doing nothing about it. I agree. But uh, you know what is smart? What? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash safe to hire the right person, ideally for a job that won't burn them out. Let's not burn anyone out, okay? Yeah, I like it. ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, experience, and burnout level threshold, and actively <laughs> invites them to apply. So you get qualified, fresh candidates fast. That's right. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., and that rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash safe. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash safe, ZipRecruiter.com slash safe. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Before we get back to the show, we want to remind you that it is, in fact, Super easy to get in touch with us. If you've got something bringing you down at work, no matter how big or how small, we are here to help. Send us an email. We're safe at wondery.com. Again, that email address is safe at wondery.com. Okay, we'll be playing a special version of Mind the Gap in just a second. But first, let's help a listener. We've got Rachel on the line. Now, Rachel, I understand you have a health and wellness issue that you're bringing to us today. Mm. Yes. So I've worked at a relatively small company for about six months. Mm -hmm. And I do almost all my work on a computer in my office. And I feel like I should mention that things are going pretty well in terms of like the company's financial stability, but not fantastic. But steady enough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And this is my first desk job. And in the past few months, I have developed some pretty serious back pain. Mm. And um, I'm seeing a specialist, so don't worry. I'm okay. not asking about, you know, <laughs> medical advice. but Because um, we were already looking at each other like, uh-oh, medical advice. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. Do we want to go here? But no, you have you have a specialist on that. And that trust us, you don't want our medical advice. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, but I do have a question that maybe you could help me with. Because I don't have a chair that gives me the support I need, or just anyone, for sitting for more than 30 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And... I guess the question is, how responsible should I hold my employer for my physical well-being? And is it appropriate to ask for a decent chair or a standing desk? Or Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you good know, question. I mean, good for you at the beginning of your career for being so aware of your health on the job. Because it took me about 25 years to learn <laughs> learn that lesson, Rachel. Yeah. So uh -huh. I'm just a completely broken down individual oh, now. Yeah. You can't so, see Liz, Rachel, but she's just hunched sad. over and just yeah. curled. She, oh, she records no. <laughs> the show on the floor. It's crazy and sad. No, but actually the good news is my last two employers – have been really aggressive about providing ergonomic assessments and getting people the right equipment if they asked. You know, physical health, it's super important to companies now, too, because they understand otherwise they're bearing the cost of treating carpal tunnel syndrome or back issues or whatever. So 
first of all, I would say, look around. Are there other people in your workplace that have ergonomic equipment or where it looks like they have healthier chairs than you do? Yeah, that's a great question. So I asked a few of my coworkers because one in particular has this fantastic chair and he bought it himself. Uh, Yeah. So I just don't know exactly where that leaves me in terms of asking for one or if I should just bring in my own like he did. I think you should totally ask for it. I think yes. the cost of ergonomic furniture has gone down. The it's it's very widely available. If you have to get your own, that's better than suffering twenty five years later. Mm-hmm. But going to <laughs> the company, does your company have an HR department? Are there people that are responsible for things related? to health? Yeah, we have an HR rep yeah, I could talk yeah. with. I mean, I'd go in and ask about just you have some ergonomic issues, like can they help you address them? Yes. And I've, I, I went through this at one point and my company, it was, it was actually surprising to me how immediately they responded. The HR person arrived mm-hmm. at my desk as soon as I sent the email with a catalog and said, pick out whatever you need. Mm-hmm. I, exactly oh, because really? I'm guessing yeah. what Liz said. Um, because they've learned the hard way that it's cheaper to just buy you the furniture. Exactly. And also, by the way, I did a little online research about this after mm. getting your email just to see if there's any legalities floating around out there. And apparently, if you get a note from your doctor saying that you have an ailment that requires you to use more ergonomic equipment, your employer may be more likely to provide it to you because under the Americans with Disabilities Act, there could be legal issues if they don't. Mm-hmm. So oh. maybe if you're getting treatment and you can get that, and as long as you're not asking for something excessive that could cause them a huge hardship, like you need them to knock out the wall of your office and install a Pilates gym or something, <laughs> I think sure, they'll yeah. at least consider it. I yeah. think it'd be on safe ground. Yeah. Okay. Rachel, it can't hurt to ask, and especially because you are being treated by a medical professional. Like, don't go in and say, these two podcasters told me that I need to get some special equipment. Use your doctor Uh as the backup. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Good luck. Thanks for writing us. Yeah, of course. Bye. Okay, and right now, this is the part of the show where Rico and I see just how far apart we are when it comes to our opinions of how things ought to be in the workplace. Mm. It's a little segment called Mind the Gap. And today, call it Mega Mind the Gap, Mm. because joining us are a couple of friends who hail from Vermont, where, from their citadel of manners known as the Emily Post Institute, they try to help everyone be polite to each other in the workplace or anywhere humans gather. That's ambitious. They are the <laughs> great-great-grandkids of Etiquette Dwayne Emily Post herself and hosts of the podcast Awesome Etiquette, Lizzie Post and Daniel Post-Senning. Welcome! Liz, Rico, it's a pleasure to be with you. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm, <laughs> we were ninjas and superheroes. Citadel is new, guys. I like it. Yes, we always try to come up with a new way to describe you as awesome. Okay, nice. So, so Lizzie, Dan, here's how this is going to work. We'll toss out a few workplace issues. Rico and I will debate the proper response. Then you two will give us the correct, most civilized and polite answer. Yeah, right. We may not have landed on that all by ourselves. So okay, good. we're not going to have to agree to disagree. Agree. There will be a winner and a loser. Yeah, somebody's going to be right at the end of each of these. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. We are prepared to referee this discussion. Thank you. I'm so and wishy-washy. Here, I'm going to start. Here you go, Liz. Yes. Body odor. 
mm-hmm. aka the I'm not sure he, she is aware of this, but oy, what a scent mm-hmm. is emanating from that person. What do you do when you're confronted with a colleague like this? Mm-hmm. I got to say, I would I would let that go. I just feel like there's there's no way to really have a thoughtful conversation with someone about that without insulting them. I, I, I would say that this is probably not going to be much of a debate because <laughs> I, too, uh, am struggling to think of how to deal with this situation. Yeah. Although I have spoken with Lizzie and Dan before on many occasions <laughs> about etiquette, and I'm almost sure that this has come up. That and they'll I, have a better answer than us? Yes, but but I can't remember <laughs> what Here's the one thing I know you can't do. Everybody always says, leave an anonymous note, leave a can of deodorant on their desk. Like, Lizzie, Dan, I'm assuming, No. That is not the way to solve this problem. <laughs> you are both correct and wrong. You are right that that is not the way to solve the problem. And and you are both wrong and right that, that not doing anything doesn't really serve or help the situation any. We can understand why you'd want to avoid it. But Dan, please tell our lovely host, what do you do when someone smells at work? So a personal hygiene issue at the office is not an uncommon experience, and you're not going to smell your own bad breath. You're not going to necessarily be aware of every personal hygiene issue that you confront. Most people would rather hear about something like this from a friend, a colleague, a coworker, rather than a boss, a supervisor, mm-hmm. someone from HR, or an important client. So. Right. Help your coworker out. They will appreciate you for doing it. Think of it as the spinach on the tooth rule. You're addressing something a little awkward, a little embarrassing in the moment, but you're helping someone avoid further embarrassment later on. How do you do it? Ask permission to have the conversation. There's something a little awkward I'd like to talk with you about. Would now be a good time? Would you mind? Could I have a minute? Absolutely, sure. No problem. I care about you. I care about your success. Be explicit Mm -hmm. about your good intentions. And then also be direct. If the shoe were on the other foot, I'd hope you'd talk to me about something like this. This is about body odor, bad breath, dandruff, whatever that personal hygiene issue is. Be direct. Let them know what it is so they can address it. Oh, it's so, it sounds wow, so civilized it when you say it. Yeah. All right. There's number one. Here's number two in Mind the Gap. Your boss sends a group email with some information that doesn't necessarily require a response. Do you respond that you received the email? Never, ever. No. The reply all. Just never do that. No. I don't think you ever need to do that. Okay. Although this is, I'm not necessarily saying that it has to be a reply all. That you can no, just say it like, to the boss. Well, I mean, the boss sent out the email. What? Like responding with that? I don't like when people do that to me. Okay. Like I, I sent it out. I'm assuming you read it. Okay. You you disagree? I think it depends on what it is. If it's something that it's like, I require immediate action on this, then you might be advised to be like, I got this and I understand immediate action is required. And it Mm -hmm. might make you look good as somebody who's like on the ball, on it. Um, Not like a brown noser who's saying, yes, I read your email. <laughs> well, I guess that's what you are seeing when you look at me right now, Liz. It would be one thing. If I, if, I, if I was responding saying, yes, here's the answer to your question, that's one thing. But right. responding saying, okay, I got your question. I don't know. I'm with Rico. What are you? Who are yeah. You with? Well, I, I, I like Liz's initial reply. The reply all never. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. That's, the, that's the floor on this situation. <laughs> Yes, I like right. the direct reply to the boss if it's a, I got it, or if it's something that's important enough that they should know. I like that sort of how matters response in that if 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 the particular request is of import, letting someone know you heard them is important. If it 
is more general. There is a certain courtesy to not cluttering someone's inbox, not asking for their attention if you don't really need it. Right. And that's an emerging courtesy in this digital world where we're all asked to track an incredible amount of information. So it's definitely one where you want to have your antenna out and, and be feeling for... Is this message important enough that the boss is going to want to be sure that I heard? All right. So in a way, we're so both, we're both right. right. Okay. Okay. That's so a good outcome. We don't have to respond <laughs> fisticuffs. <laughs> okay. Number three is sending emails while in a meeting. Send it quick or make it wait. What do you think, Rico? I mean, obviously, you don't... Like, can wait? Yeah, because we're not five years old. Yes, <laughs> you can definitely wait until the meeting is over before you do personal. I think if you're sending out an email that is germane to what is happening in the meeting, like somebody says, oh, yeah, we've got to act on something ASAP, maybe you could almost draw attention to it and say, hey, I'm going to send an email right now to everyone so we remember that mm-hmm. we are going to do this. But otherwise, I say, yeah, just keep it to yourself until the meeting's over. Yeah, I say this is part of the problem. This is why most meetings are so unproductive now is because everybody is multitasking. And you know what? There's really no such thing. Like if you're reading mm-hmm. and answering emails while you're in a meeting, you're not participating in the meeting. So I'm kind of a hawk on this. Put your devices down, people. Look up. Pay attention. We can probably get the meeting ended in half the time if people could just focus. All right. Lizzie and Dan, are we right? Guys, this is great. Dan and I now know who we can retire awesome etiquette to. This is awesome. (laughs) You're hired. You're hired. We're going to go on vacation for a while. We'll see you later. Ding, ding, ding. Gold etiquette stars all around. You are absolutely right. Yeah. If it's something pertinent to the meeting, make an announcement about that and say, oh, I could email Jeff right now. Should I go for it? And then everyone can, you know, you can send the email to Jeff. If it's something where Liz is right, where you're saying like it's just not pertinent to the meeting, it's not something that's going on right now, we can save it for later. Yes, pause yourself. Do not fall into that immediacy trap and instead refocus your attention on the meeting. It's a trap. You're right, Lizzie. Immediacy is a trap. And now let's immediately move on to number four. (laughs) In an open office, there is that one person that's always working in what is supposed to be the shared conference room. Do you say something to that person or do you find your own spot to work? It's a shared conference room. Can't we share it? You're talking about as an individual going in and taking a corner of the conference room and working yourself? Okay, I would do that. Or I would go in and say, get out of the conference room. I'm having a meeting here now. Yeah, we're having a conference. conference. (laughs) Yes. We're going to confer here in the conference Uh, room. Yeah. Those would be my two reactions. Yeah, me too. Liz, I really want to work with you. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. Like, I I just I like the assertiveness of it. Yeah. Just because one person is in that room doing just their regular work, not holding a conference call, not, you know, uh, getting the space ready for something else. There's no reason you shouldn't just walk in there and start using it, too, as long as it's not going to disrupt them as well. Lizzie and Dan, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you very much. Take good care. And I'm not sure who won me or you, Liz, but I think I think was... in a world of civility, everyone wins, right? Oh, my God. Isn't that the point? Oh, I'm just looking at you like you're a great genius. line. <laughs> Liz, you win. That's awesome. <laughs> Liz thank wins. you, Dan. Liz That's wins. what I was going for. Pick a winner, people. Oh <laughs> Liz, I love this job. You know what the hardest part is? What? We didn't have time to take lunch today, and now we've got to tell people about delicious lantana hummus. <laughs> I know. It's so delicious. It is really good. <laughs> we need some right now. That's how delicious it is. I know. Where we ate it all is the problem. Yes. Um, here's the thing. They have a bunch of different flavors that are delicious. Hatch mm. chili. There's one with sriracha in it that is delectable. Yes. And let's talk about the fact that it has no chickpeas. I know. 
Just one of many wonderful things. Yeah, I love ma- the black bean, the edamame, all delicious. Yeah, made with white beans and stuff like that instead mm-hmm. of chickpeas. Uh, it's non-GMO, it's vegan, it's gluten-free and kosher. I think people should discover Lantana hummus, and it will brighten every day, especially the ones where they don't have enough time to go out (laughs) and buy a sandwich or something. I'd like to brighten our day right now, but it's coming up soon. So go to lantanafoods.com and use their product locator to find Lantana hummus at a grocery store near you. And look for the hummus with the striped lids in the deli. All righty, Liz. I feel like I've still got some advice left in me. You want to help another listener? <laughs> you bet, Rico. Good. So we love getting letters from listeners. Right. That's safe at Wondery.com if you're interested. That's right. Please email us. And we love talking to you about those emails on the air. But we also get the occasional message from someone who wants to remain anonymous because their bosses or their coworkers listen to the show. As is the case with this one from a listener who cleverly calls themselves anonymous. Whoa. Who writes, hello, Liz and Rico. I'm curious how much value you place on international work experience. Experience. I'm in my mid-30s with a stressful PR job in my hometown of Washington, D.C. Uh-huh. Besides being completely burned out, I've also grown quite sick of D.C. <laughs> and have started casually looking at jobs around the country. However, thanks to my recent EU citizenship through a parent and hearing a lot about the generally incredible work-life balance in Europe, I've started to seriously wonder if I could try out Europe for a few years uh-huh. after securing a job. Aside from the risks involved in leaving one's comfort zone, could this international experience prove valuable career-wise? I figure the experience would be great for my PR career and for my personal growth. And it seems better than finding a U.S.-based job with a hectic international travel schedule, which would still leave me with a poor work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Any advice? Much appreciated. Thank you. So uh, an anonymous letter from someone in Washington, D.C., who suddenly wants to leave the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, well, Mike Pence, I'm sorry, Anonymous, <laughs> I think you've got a great plan here. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> you might say the EU is your lodestar? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> okay, no, seriously, great idea. You will get so much out of this. I have friends and siblings who have worked in every part of the world and also mm. members of my family that grew up and had these great experiences. Is there a reason not to do this? I mean, I generally agree with you, Liz. I think that this is generally a great idea. I would give maybe two caveats. One is that, as we're reading in the newspaper, some parts of the EU are going through big political upheavals right now. So be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Who knows what will become of work-life balance in some of these countries? Um, number two, I've, this is probably not an issue because this person's in D.C., but Anonymous is in PR. And I did once know a PR person in the Midwest who was trying to do show business PR Mm -hmm. and found that really hard to do without living in near one of the coastal media centers like L.A. or New York. So if that's the type of PR you do, Anonymous, I would try to be striking distance from either London or Paris, which I think are still kind of the showbiz meccas in Europe. There may be some others. Uh, keeping in mind, of course, that London may soon no longer be in the EU. Oh, darn it. You're right. (laughs) Right. And, uh... Also, Anonymous, I think you should be aware that you've made me insanely jealous of you because my dream is to live and work in the Netherlands, so we are now mortal enemies. (laughs) See how Rico manages to find a way? I'm just saying. Um, 
I would say this, Anonymous, because I've worked with a lot of big global organizations where people move around all the time. I mean, that's a great way to move into a new country because they help you with documents and apartments and all of the insane rules about whether you have to quarantine your dog. The employer. Which would be, yeah, the employer does all of that for you. So that's one of the advantages to be being an expat in a big company. Hmm. But as long as you have marketable skills and some language facility, if that's relevant, you can show up in another country and get a job. And it sounds like you're in a serious rut (laughs) and you need to get out of town. Do it. Yeah. And another positive thing to mention, I'm not sure about this, by the way, but it seems to me that companies that need employees who are going to work with Americans or they want someone who specifically can work with Americans or has had experience working in America, they're going to find you extremely attractive because you also have EU citizenship and they therefore won't have to explain to the EU. Like Typically, I think you have to, as an employer, prove that an EU citizen couldn't do the job. Right, exactly. So you're an American who is also an EU citizen. So Mm -hmm. those kind of jobs maybe be on the lookout for because you're going to be saving the company a lot of hassle. Right, right. In case you missed anything during today's show, just tap the cover art to check out the notes for this episode. You'll also find our email address, which is safe at wondery.com. And if you want to support the show, you'll find some great offers from our sponsors as well. Another way you can support the show is by filling out a small survey at wondery.com survey. It'll help us make the show better for listeners like you. Excellent idea. This episode was hosted by me, Liz Dolan, Bossy Meredith and Satellite Sister, Enrico Galliano, host journalist and anti-brunch author. That's right. Our original theme song is composed by Martin Blanco, audio engineering by Misha Stanton, produced by Cameron Kell, executive produced by Allison O'Neill and Marsha Louie, created and executive produced by Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Remember, workplaces can feel crazy, but you don't have to. Most days, you've got a lot of places to go and a lot to get done before you can even think about falling into bed at night. Wouldn't it be nice if you could stay connected to the world while you were out there getting it all done? What if the experience of driving a luxury vehicle wasn't limited to just inside your car, but extended out into the world around you? Introducing the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC. With a suite of social tech, including Waze integration so seamless, the map appears right on the screen. Amazon Alexa, with access to all the skills and services you get on your Echo, and a 4G LTE Wi-Fi hotspot that allows up to 10 devices to connect at once with Lincoln Connect. With your 2019 Lincoln MKC, you're transforming traffic jam streets into clear roads. Empowering your voice to instantly change your environment. Set temperature to 72 degrees. All to make life a little easier. And when you're finally done, Waze, take me home. Let's get started. You're getting a seamless experience right to the very end. Alexa, open my garage door. Okay. Available via iPhone with Sync 3 with software version 3.0. Commands may vary by phone and AppLink software. Don't drive while distracted. Use voice-operated systems when possible. Don't use handheld devices while driving. iPhone is a trademark of Apple Inc., registered in the U.S. and other countries. The 2019 Lincoln MKC. 
Learn more at lincoln.com slash Wondery. That's lincoln.com slash W-O-N-D-E-R-Y.